Okay. I don't know if the mic is going to pick this up, but like everything in my room is shaking. Really? It's... Oh! Oh, fuck! <laughs> Dawson. a lot of editing but luckily it's gonna be run recording so that will make my life hopefully easy but if it records on two tracks i'm fucked <laughs> oh well um guess we're gonna find out so for the last i how long has it been since our previous episode like <laughs> a year months <laughs> it's we are now months. yeah months oh we are God, now it's, it's, it's may 30th <laughs> okay so in that time a lot has happened <laughs> Um, yeah. I need to pull up when we recorded our previous episode, or at least published it, because we did publish that other episode that we never published, which I'm still kind of sad about, but like, oh, yeah, we did. a lot of effort for what we got out of it. <laughs> I mean, okay. I can pull up our Spotify podcast. I can find we it. didn't get sponsored because we would have lost our sponsorships. <laughs> I know. Um, also, I'm looking through our reviews. We got three five-star reviews, and someone left a review saying this podcast is pretty good. Stumbled upon it, and for sure can't wait to hear more episodes. Definitely should check it out. Um, aw. What? They sent that April really? 7th, so it's been it's been a hot, hot minute. Um, okay, so our last episode was episode two, which was the Cracks in the Wall episode that we put out, and that was February 24th. Mm-hmm. So, it's been a while since then. Uh, what's been going Just on in your bit. life? <laughs> um, well, I graduated um, the Friday before last, so about almost two weeks ago. So I am a high school graduate. I am still not legal yet. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we're keeping that I am graduated. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's. Pretty much, that's the biggest highlight in my life. I mean, oh, I got a job today. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm working working for a non-profit, y'all. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, um, what about you? Let let, let the world know. (laughs) What's up with with Dawson? So, kind of in the same same park, uh, graduated. Luckily. <laughs> um, and went through a whole graduation ceremony, all that. Uh, got into my dream college. So that's kind of that's exciting. Um, I, it was really a long shot. And I never would have thought that it would happen. And mm-hmm. now I have today's uh, 100 days until my flight, which is kind of <gasps> crazy. That's insane. It's starting to make it feel really real. And I still don't have housing sorted out because I applied to like the dorms and stuff through different places, but like I'm still waiting for any response. Oh my goodness. I'm kind of stressed, but it's like it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's the dream. Yeah, they have hostels. It's it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. No, um, so that's been going on. And then for kind of the last three weeks, I've been doing work on podcast episode like, in the field, um, which I know that sounds really dumb, but I yeah. I was kind of tired of sitting here and, like, looking behind a screen, like, mainly with COVID and how we spent, like, the last year doing that, 
which now actually that's another thing we missed it's been a full year since covid which is crazy um but i was out in the field because i really wanted to like go out there and meet people and like actually talk about these things rather than just like looking at articles or peer-reviewed stuff like you know that that stuff is interesting and i get that it's like factual but like Mm -hmm. when you're out there and talking to people you really get sort of the broader idea where it's like a paper published by some random graduate students at a university isn't the same as like going out and talking to people who are actually living it day by day you know exactly makes a hundred percent i mean that makes perfect sense i mean you really get to know what's really happening by talking to the people and talking to other people who won't use all the big words and try to make things sound all pretty and stuff, but people who will blatantly tell you exactly how they think and feel about what's going on and what's happening. Mm. And I think that's one thing that I did pick up on a lot. Um, and that actually inspired, uh, I don't know, a couple hours of research towards another topic, which is um, in academic circles, like the language used is purposefully obtuse. So that way people mm. without that sort of level of understanding can really read it when the information could definitely be not dumbed down. Cause that's like another phrase where it's like, you're not dumbing yeah. down information. You're just making it more accessible, which I don't think that's a bad thing when it comes to information that like everyone should know, you know? Well, knowledge should be, there. there's such a huge stigma on knowledge and how it should only be obtained by the certain few or the privileged few who thinking is different from everyone else's. And the thing is, everyone else's thinking is completely different from everybody else's. Like we don't think alike and we definitely don't think like other people that we know. And I think that the academia should, like it it should be able to be read and should be able to be absorbed by the regular everyday person and not by someone who has an IQ higher than Einstein's like it's just it's not practical and then people get upset when they wonder why you know kids test scores are low or people aren't understanding things at a certain level because they can't understand everything when it's written by some dude from the 15th century and that hasn't been translated because I mean it just doesn't make sense yeah for sure and I think one of the biggest things with that is also just the way that um, it promotes sort of this ideal uh, environment for misunderstanding and like the ability to direct uh, misinformation at people. And I think we did cover this in one of our previous episodes where mm. when you have those short, quippy things where people can understand it and it resonates with them, it's way easier than being like, here, go read this 300 page book on theory. <laughs> like no one really wants to do that. And that's the other thing, like, People now, especially, and you see this a lot with um, sort of the new age philosophers of TikTok. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it's a lot of people who have zero real life experience with these things. And they think that just because they read like a few hundred pages of the Communist Manifesto, suddenly they're like ready <laughs> to take on the world. And it's like, yeah. and then it's so annoying because they act so uppity about it where it's like, oh, have you not read that? Oh, you simpleton. Yeah. It's like... And then it also throws <laughs> then it also throws out the points of misinformation and talking about it online to a huge platform of people that are either underage or people who of course haven't read it or aren't knowledgeable. And then they of course go out in the world thinking, Oh, well, this person online told me this and I don't have to search it up again or I don't have to look it up, so I'm gonna just run off with it. Like 
it just it could start some very major problems very fast no for sure and you see that too with people who are held up to the standards that we expect when it comes to papers and research and then they say something stupid or ignorant or spread something that's harmful and then because of that position where we held these people in academic circles up to such a high standard we now think that they cannot be questioned and that's like mm -hmm. it's so frustrating because you have um and i noticed this a lot with covid you have interviews on news where like nurses are talking about like oh the vaccine doesn't work blah blah blah, blah or like masks don't right. actually work and it's like sure one doctor or one nurse here or there has said it but then you have like hundreds and thousands for like no like these are saving lives <laughs> but then you hold them both to the same standard as if there isn't sort of an imbalance when it comes to the actual quantity rather than just the quality of what you're hearing exactly like if i mean using of course COVID 19 as an example like if one little you know nurse from the middle of nowhere wisconsin tried to tell me that my mask is not going to stop me from you know saving my 80 something year old great grandmother from getting COVID. like i mean i'm not going to believe her over of course the millions and thousands of other places that are like hey like she could die like you need to be wearing a mask you need to get vaccinated like these things like just always take what people say as with a grain of salt but also always understand that if that not everybody is brilliant and some people are just plain ignoramus so <laughs> ignorant well ignorant i was using ignoramus from cracker barrel because <laughs> it's on the little thing it's from cracker barrel it makes no, sense for, okay <laughs> like seriously with that though because especially when like in situations like that you have that um standard being held up but then you also just like i feel like that standard really devalues personal experience a lot and mm -hmm. whether that be with COVID 19 or any other situation but again like it's kind of hard for either of us to really get off the idea of COVID 19 because we're still <laughs> we're still in the middle of it um right. but even with COVID 19 like i know so many people and i personally like because of masks and social distancing and all the precautions that we took this is probably the first year where i haven't gotten like the flu or like a cold yeah. at all but i also know that like there are people who still have which it may or may not because they weren't wearing a mask and they were out partying but still mm -hmm. like i know that that situation isn't the same for everyone but like still there's a lot of people who you talk to and you're like yeah i didn't get sick this year and they're like oh like me neither and it's just like it, it's weird because that sort of inconsequential so small experience is so important because when you explain it in simple terms like that where it's like i wore a mask i didn't get sick and it's really not that inconvenient when it's like sure i have to wear it for a handful of minutes while running to the store or whatever and i do mm -hmm. get that it can be certainly uncomfortable for people who have to work for hours wearing it or exactly. um, those who actually need to be able to be seen for um uh, I want to say accessibility reasons, but more for understanding, yeah. like, um, those who are deaf and actually need oh, to have, like, facial expressions to be understood. Mm-hmm. That, I know that was a really big issue at a certain point. And then, of course, places started making, like, masks that, of course, still protected from COVID and then also had clear parts. But I also understood that that was also a really big issue. But the fact that some people were like oh i can't breathe in a mat like oh like my three-year-old cousin who 
is i mean she's three she has the hyperactivity of a chipmunk like she can if she can wear her mask in costco i'm pretty sure you can wear yours you know talking to a person for a good five minutes like seriously just... it's, it's not like you only like suddenly you can't breathe because you're wearing masks like i have seen people who are active skiers and they wear ski masks mm -hmm. and stuff where it's or um I, I don't know what this is. I want to say it's a balaclava, but I'm pretty sure that's one with the mouth opening. It's like the ski masks that don't actually have any opening for the mouth because it's so cold. Right. And they're able to wear that for hours while like doing all sorts of high intensive physical activity when it comes to skiing or snowboarding. And then mm -hmm. suddenly they're having a problem with a mask. It's like, really? Come yeah, on. <laughs> I mean, at that point, it's just them trying to be you know, different or not even quirky. I couldn't even call it that. It's really just them finding a way to complain about something that goes against something they want, which inherently, of course, makes them selfish. And also, I mean, really deadly. It, I mean, it makes them selfish and really deadly because all it takes is that one person who decides to be an idiot and be like, hey, I'm gonna go out in the world and, you know, be free and nobody can stop me. And then they cough on somebody and then realize that they just killed someone. Like this just <laughs> Well that's the thing. I don't I don't think they do understand that that's what happens. It's not like sure, there of course there's people who are like, it's only a two percent chance or it's a like one percent chance, which still mm -hmm. that's still a lot of people. And that's why I thought it was really unfortunate that people were really pushing for like the open up everything, let people get sick and those who die die. Like it it's disgusting to really think that way but um for those people they think that because it doesn't affect them it doesn't really influence or not influence it doesn't impact anyone else and that's exactly. the really sad thing where it's like sure it's not you and it might not even be the first people you contact but it's mm -hmm. you in a store and some random person you get sick and they get sick and then they spread it to two other people and then those two spread it and then suddenly you're affecting complete strangers three or not generations but three separate <laughs> groups removed where your your actions have directly or rather indirectly i guess if you want to look at it that way caused harm mm -hmm. to dozens of people and potentially caused deaths of grandparents or those who have underlying illnesses or autoimmune issues all sorts of different mm -hmm. groups and it's like i just i don't see why it's a problem just to like put on a mask for sure inconvenient but like at the same time i also like not having to like prepare half my face where it's like i i enjoy just being able to cover up half my face and be like yep we're good <laughs> you yep, know nobody will see me <laughs> like no one will see me it's perfectly fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> anyways th this is a bit of a tangent we <laughs> we have yeah i think, I think we got a bit off, off subject but it's so, always nice to have an intro <laughs> yeah we still need a good intro <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll just we'll have a segment at some point that we'll just clip in. But today's topic is um, inspired by the sort of work that I've been doing out in the field. That's what I was. That's what mm. I was really talking about. Um, yeah. So as a part of this, I traveled from Anchorage all the way up to Cantwell, and then to Fairbanks, and from Fairbanks went to Toke, and then Toke down to Glen Allen, and Glen Allen to Wasilla and Palmer, and then finally back down again to Anchorage. Mm -hmm. So I, I've been around, which I know for mm. those in the low 48 who don't really understand Alaska geography, that doesn't sound like it's a lot. Um, I don't really Look have... Look at Yeah. So that sort of scale is... Um, it's, 
it was 24 hours collectively of driving between all the places probably a bit more than that um it was was sort of like driving yeah 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 driving um which i'm not sure if you've ever been from the route that goes between toke and glen allen but that is a really scary road (laughs) um yeah and it's 11 hours just between those two points and that kind of it kind of sucked but um it was through that that we really got to see sort of the highs and lows when it comes to rural alaska which was really Mm -hmm. interesting and that's sort of the idea because i had an episode in the works right um and i i doubt that we're ever going to actually publish it um it was going to be called the safe house and it was because as a part of the original part of the trip um I was recording interviews with a couple people who were directly affected by a uh, case that's working its way through the courts now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I really don't want to talk much about it just because that's sort of the reason why the whole episode had to be scrapped. A lot of concerns over privacy and also safety because there were threats um, and potential ways for individuals threatening to actually take physical and violent action um Mm -hmm. which like i i don't want to bring that upon myself or my family which this sort of of ties back to not wanting to talk about heavy stuff back when we were originally discussing um uh i think the insurrection was when we were originally mentioning that but this this was Mm -hmm. a lot more tangible and it hit a lot closer to home uh especially considering some relevance that uh parts of my family have to the sort of stuff which is just it's weird past are repeating itself but Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> as, a, as a part of that episode, um, there were a bunch of interviews recorded, and mm. the whole time I was sort of picking up things for other episodes alongside the project that was that. Um, right. And one was sort of observing, I don't really know what to, um, I guess sort of the divide between the ultra-wealthy in Alaska and mm. those in poverty, which... In Alaska, I'm not sure about the low 48 because I don't have much experience down there. But up here, it takes a couple miles of driving to just see, like, one next to another. Which is, it's really weird, but it kind of makes sense when you're going down these roads where it's like, there's only one road. There's no side road. So, like, yeah, you'll have a house here and then, like, a few miles down you'll have another house. Um, And that first house may be... um, it may be someone who has a lot of money and they retired up here or it's like a vacation home and it's this lavish multi-story mansion like it unbelievably fancy it's like custom made because it has to be able to withstand the harsh weather all that right right um and then just i mean it's not really next door because it may be two or four miles down the road right Mm-hmm. Um, which that isn't too bad, all things considered. Yeah. But it, it's weird because then you have a house that'll be sort of nearby that's, um, it'll be a, I mean, a, it's a shack. It's a wooden building that's deteriorating. Sometimes they have like moss covered roofs or uh, sod roofing, which is another common thing. Uh, that's a cost effective roofing practice in Alaska, which I don't, again, I don't know if that's really common low for but. For those of you who it's don't not. know, it, it's not? Oh, fun. No. <laughs> uh, for those we, of you who don't know, no. it, it's basically where you put dirt and grass for your, uh, like, roof. and So you'll have, like, wood or something underneath it and then, like, a tarp and then you'll do that. Um, 
And it's a really common practice up north in Alaska because it helped for insulation and uh, it's super effective in both the winter and the summer. Uh, you'll commonly see it around Fairbanks, especially in the rural communities. But you'll see stuff like that, which it's a cost-saving measure. It's not something that like, <laughs> it's not a hipster thing to do, like a rooftop yeah. garden. It's It's meant to be able to pinch pennies. And you'll have these houses that are then expanded on with other wooden sheds and sort of it's it's a really weird modular approach to building that you don't really see in a lot of places but it'll be a family that'll own a couple acres and they can do basically anything they want because <laughs> there's no HOA for a couple hundred miles right. um, and I'm sure you've seen it while driving around Alaska where you just have like the cars sitting everywhere all the oh, scrap yeah. the cargo containers the burn yeah. barrels all that and it's weird because it, I mean, for um, sort of a comparison, it would be like having a Beverly Hills mansion and then next to it is just like a random shed full of trash and like <laughs> messed up car. Like, it'd be like having a junkyard next to a Beverly Hills mansion that's like a couple miles yeah. away. It's, you don't really see that as far as I know, just because like when you have rich building, or not really rich buildings, but rich communities, mm -hmm. you usually have them grouped together. It's not really isolated like yeah. this. But while I was thinking of that, um, gated communities. Yeah. But while something. I was thinking of that, it was something that I noticed was a really common thing, and it was it was two things mainly. Um, mm. But both of them revolve around flags, right? Right. So you would have these lux <laughs> luxury houses <laughs> slash mansions slash lodges slash. I don't know. They're, it's weird. I don't know who owns the places. Some of them evidently are owned by like sports teams that come up here to practice, which is like interesting, I guess. It's still weird. Very. But regardless, they'll they'll have these flags flying out front, and it'll be the American flag, which that was the first note. Um, you'll see mm. the American flag flying on these really rich houses, but then you'll also see it still flying over these sort of. I I need a better word for these houses because I don't want to say sh like it feels really degrading yeah because it, can... they are homes people live in them they are actively used and a lot of them are really old they're usually built in the like 60s 70s they've been around for a long time but they're i i guess lot i i don't know i don't know what the word is for them because i don't really have a yeah, word to really really... ascribe to it they had well were they called well there are sod houses would you call it like a sod house because of the top is like is so for, for some of them, when they're like cabins that are built like that, it's definitely a sod house. But these are like, I'm, I'm sure you would recognize it if I sent a photo where it's like, it is yeah. a I mean, house that's then just like expanded on, but it's like shed like, it's like an oversized shed, really. Right. I guess we could, well, I mean, I guess for the sake of our own sanity, I mean, we could call them like the shed for this example, I guess the shed houses inst instead of. Because I mean, you're talking about mansions and yeah, but I don't want I don't want to say anything that's like that's like I don't because like these people are living them. It's not it's not homeless like constructs or something where it's like the city can label it so that way they can then like demolish it for a freeway. Like these mm -hmm. are actively used, developed, and passed on. But it's I guess they're just houses. It's it's kind of weird because that's where like linguistics or sort of language wise like 
I'm failing to come up with any word to ascribe to it. It's a very specific type of house. And I, I'm sure they're common in the lower 48 when you get out to rural communities, but it is, it's a really common sight along the roads here. Um, when you're getting out sort of past a lot of the major cities, but anyways, anyways, back <laughs> again, tangent wise. So for the sake of the viewer, well, viewers, listeners, listeners, I wish we had viewers. But at the yeah. same time, I would rather not have to edit video for all this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much. Anyways, you'll you'll have these um, houses next to these mansions, and both of them are flying the American flag. And I just thought that was something like really. It it's it's sort of ominous because both of them uphold the American flag, and I'm sh- I. At times, I did want to actually stop and, like, talk to these people. But the thing to kind of understand is that these are very isolated people and they are very, um, I don't know, properly oriented. (laughs) They are Yeah, you don't just, like, walk up to these people Yeah, you do not walk up to them. It is very shoot-on-sight out there. Um, And they they let you know it uh, because there will be... um, ton of do not enter do not approach do not walk by do not breathe our air sort of vibes radiating off of signs that are posted out front um it it's odd though seeing the flag sort of um put in those two different situations and i'm sure for both of them it's it's symbolic of something but it's weird because they are in some of these um for instance out near Toke, which is sort of near the Canadian border. It's about 100 miles from the Canadian border. Uh, we were probably still 25 miles out from Toke, so just over 100 miles from the Canadian border. There were these houses, right? And they mm-hmm. are still flying the American flag, and out there it feels so detached from anything. Because on one side, so on your right-hand side, you see these mountains that are towering towards the skies. And then on the left-hand side, you see burnt-down forests for unimaginable miles because there was a major forest fire there a couple years ago, right? Um, right. And that fire just, like, it it left a scorched earth out there, and it's just these white husks of, like, burnt-out trees, and they roll on and on and on. And there is just... It's so... It's so, like, nothing. There is nothing there. Like, if you remove the road, that is isolated beyond any recognition. And yet, they still are attached to the idea of America and that American flag. And I don't know why, but that that alone was just super fascinating to me, where you have these people who are just living their lives completely severed from anything. And for some of these people, Mm -hmm. right, um... They have never left their city or the state, Mm -hmm. which that's actually a pretty common thing when you get out to rural Alaska. They are born, raised, live, and die in that community. (laughs) Which, like, there's something, I want to say poetic about that, but really it's just like, it's a different world out there, really. You know, where they are, they are focused on what is happening there. And they're alone mm-hmm. because the outside world, aside from their imports, it might as well not exist, which is a really weird way of looking at things, especially now when we're having to deal with um, sort of increase in globalization where 
right now you could hop on a plane and get anywhere in the world in less than 20 well around 24 hours yeah <laughs> in the near future with stuff like spacex is working on it could be 45 minutes to an hour and a half to get anywhere on the globe like that's an insane level of interconnectedness that out there you don't sense you feel alone and yet still there's still attached to this idea of america and like the flag and that to me was that's really what sparked the idea for this episode just talking about flags and sort of their meaning to people right mm-hmm. right it's just it's bizarre but out there i also noticed and this <laughs> this was the weirder thing is that still in these isolated communities that are severed from the rest of the world and the rest of the world doesn't know these places exist right they do not have a name they are not on a map they are nowhere they don't care <laughs> they don't care they are still flying flags some of them oh, mind you i i really honestly Ugh. if it wasn't there i wouldn't want to say it because out there oh you for once you feel like you are completely severed from everything going on in the world right and then mm. you will see it flapping in the wind distantly and you're like no it can't be because it, it honestly uses a color that's really similar to the alaskan flag right where it's like oh that's the alaskan okay. no it's not in big white letters yeah 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 uh so that's the other thing seeing trump flags out there right was yeah. so alien it felt foreign it was like an, an intruder in the environment it did not belong mm. because there is no civilization there is a road and that is it and still <laughs> these people are so attached to it and to me that was super interesting because it wasn't sort of the average house you don't see average houses out there right it is either what I was talking about earlier, right? Or it's a right. mansion. So you are seeing the divide between class out there, right? And still there is a homogeny of political identity. And that to mm-hmm. me is super fascinating where you have incredibly impoverished families and incredibly well-off families both flying the same flag. But I know for a fact they must be flying that for different reasons. Or at least I would hope so. Because otherwise... Yeah. That means all of them are just in it together, which to me is insane because there is nothing that unites those people together at all. Yeah. Well, I would, well, I agree and disagree. Um, I hmm, think about, I mean, one of the great, uh, well, not great, I don't know why I started, one of the foundations of trump's um like platform was of course money and think about how money whether you're rich or poor i mean or even middle class like the idea of money is just great like i mean and when you're from a lower class or even living in rural alaska like i mean having money like it's necessary and when of course the tax when there were different tax laws and bills and different things being passed that benefited rich and poor and they people in the lower class considered trump as well not a save well then maybe a savior i mean if they're going that far like he was 
there will be no person who will shout and cry and whine harder than a person in a lower class about Trump. Like you see it on TikTok, you see it on Facebook, you can see it literally in your neighborhood if you walk far enough. And no, that that reminds me. I was having a conversation with a friend about this um, just a few days ago, and mm. we got onto the topic uh, because I, I was talking about this episode and sort of that moment where I was like, "That's such a weird thing." Um, mm-hmm. And she comes from a very odd family (laughs) um where the mother is if you talk to her she is incredibly progressive right and Mm -hmm. she is an incredibly intelligent woman right she is amazing i love her to death right um and the father meanwhile is he's also incredibly intelligent right but he had an incredibly high-paying job and also came from a very racist upbringing um, mm. And he's the type that doesn't say it openly, but he's definitely the one who says stuff behind closed doors, right? You know the type, right. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah. his sort of ideas have perverted his wife's in a way. It's so bizarre, right? Where mm-hmm. she is like, blah, 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 um, incredibly progressive, like pro-abortion rights, pro-women's rights, pro-gay rights, like mm-hmm. on and on and on, like on and on. Um, and then meanwhile, she's still like, but vote Republican because they're the good guys. And it's like, the, what? it's such, yeah, it's such a weird conflict of interest where you are actively like voting against your interests completely in, in every way, nearly, right? Literally her own humanity. And at you, some you can't point. even really argue that it's like people who say they are fiscally conservative, but like socially liberal dear god grow a backbone right like that is not a stance because regardless of how you want to argue it i think Mm -hmm. we all know that democrats and republicans both hold the same economic sensibilities right they're both neoliberals right neither of them wants to do anything except invest money that's going towards wars because that funds their interests right like that's why if you look at literally anything it's identical on that front social issues sure right but like if you compare the economic policy of bush to biden to fucking obama to clinton like they are all fairly straight across the board of that right there's no surprises which is Mm -hmm. why it's always so funny especially in the wake of the election when you had people who were sobbing that biden was going to start funding all sorts of stuff and it's like no I mean, aside yeah. from the point that he's basically just, like, a Republican painted blue, like, it, it's whatever, <laughs> right? But right. it's so weird to me that people are able to sort of divorce themselves from the idea that the parties at all care about them. Because my friend's family, right, they are <laughs> fairly well off, not super, super rich, but, like, definitely upper middle class, right? right. And like that amount of money does not impress those who actually have political power right that is chump change (laughs) which is why i think it's so funny that um like they are so dedicated to the idea of economic policy despite the fact that they are not even in the upper echelons of what would get considered for economic policy in the u.s right they are not 
the 1%, they are not the 10%, they are like, <laughs> they are the 65%, right? Yeah. They are classic American, like, you are not that special, right? You're not making eight figures. Um, no. But that's why I thought it was so fascinating that I was talking to her about this, right? Coming from that background. And mm-hmm. based on what she was saying and what I, we continue the conversation about it, because it, it didn't turn into a fight, but it was kind of a discussion, right? And I was basically talking to her about this, and she was like, yeah, blah, 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 about Trump. But his economic stuff, and then she was kind of going on about that for a bit, and then was talking mm-hmm. about how she wouldn't want him to be president, or not president, <laughs> she wouldn't want him to be president again, but mm-hmm. more so uh, something like a treasurer, or like uh, head of the treasury. Oh, trust him with the liquor money. What, why so, would make and in, in my mind, that didn't what, click. Tax knowing, knowing what I know, that did not click. Where it's like, he has so many failed businesses, like Trump Vodka, yeah. remember that? Trump Airlines? Yeah. Trump the like, Game? That might still be yeah. Walmart, actually. True. Even Anyways. the reality TV show? Like, I'm still... I mean, he, he had, like, steaks that he was selling. Like, he has had so many businesses. Or even... His, I mean, his reality show was successful, I'll give him that. But he wasn't the one producing it. And he was just the star. Yeah. But, no, he has had so many business failures. And then his actual economic policy under his administration was incredibly pro-corporation. But anti-citizen, mm-hmm. when you really think about it. The poor got the worst hit of it middle class took a hit too the rich they got they got pretty good standards with it right they got like uh fewer restrictions on what they could invest money into and they had uh tax breaks and on and on and it's like that that again is annoying to me just knowing that but like from her perspective right she Mm -hmm sees trump as the public figure rather than the politician which i think is i think that's the problem with a lot of the people who do still support trump is that they see him as the ideal businessman of the 80s right because that is that's the image he sold right as a businessman which is why even something like uh brett easton ellis's uh american psycho makes references to uh donald trump right where right. he is a symbol of the cutthroat business world of America, especially in New York, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which to me is super fascinating, right? But when you think of it from that perspective, like, yeah, I would want that version of Trump to be the head of his, like, treasury department, right? Where it's like, he has no problems, he's a perfect businessman, right? Perfect world. And I think that's sort of the fundamental disagreement between reality and sort of the image where it's they've fallen in love with the idea of who he is and not the actual person and it's really hard to sever that connection between reality and fiction when it comes to political figures which is why there's now such a push against um i guess the uh i don't don't know what term to really use for it but basically turning politicians into figureheads to then back behind, right? Where you have people who are going, like, yes, vote Biden, but, like, don't completely support him in everything he does. Like, hold him accountable, right? Which that that was one of the biggest things that was going for Biden, which is still funny because you didn't get that sort of response from the American right, you know? It was going full into the sort of Ronald Reagan-esque, like, 
make America great again, which again, taken from the Ronald Reagan campaign, right? Or mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is, but it, it's just weird to me that they were able to do that. And that idea is trickling down, which <laughs> Ronald Reagan trickled down. Who would have thought? <laughs> but it, it's not like trickling down to children of these families where it's like, yeah, Trump wasn't that bad. He had good economic policy, at least, which not a reality at all. Very far from it. Because even looking at it, right, you have uh, the economic success of the Trump administration pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. But that was all from the Obama administration. That was just coasting off of their successes, bringing us out of the recession, you know? And then he brings us into the worst <laughs> the worst depression that we've had since the Great Depression, which yeah. is just like, love that. Um, but no, that all ties back to the flags, right? Flags, 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 flags. What the hell goes on with flags? Because you have all of these complex ideas and feelings because... I don't know about you, I get emotionally invested when I see a Trump flag, you know, where it's like, it creates some sort of internal, ugh, you know, which, yeah, well, I get the same the feeling. Like lives matter flag. Yeah. Those two. It's those two. And then like red baseball caps, those strike fear in me now. Yeah. Those I have, well, I had uh, a neighbor who, after during the black lives matter protests that were happening last summer with the unfortunate death with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, they decided in their big old flagpole in the front of their house that they, that has, you know, the little studio lights all flashing on at night and all that stuff. They were going to put a big old proud blue lives matter flag in their front yard. And I remember asking my mom if I could go to jail for climbing the flagpole because I used to be a competitive rock climber. So I was like, oh, I got chalk and my rock climbing shoes and a harness. Look at that. I could scale up that pole and rip that sucker down. Yeah, don't do that, y'all. It's a felony. Um, And then wondrously, after Trump lost the election, the flag changed after the um, storming of the Capitol and Trump lo- officially losing and, you know, him finally understanding that fact. Um, the flag changed to an American flag. And after once again talking to my mother, she said that them having the American flag was it pretty much had the same feeling as them having a Blue Lives Matter flag up. Like there was no difference in her mind. It was the same thing. Which made sense to me, um, I guess, as an African-American female, if y'all didn't know, I am black, so boop, boop. Um, <laughs> being an African-American female, I mean, I am a minority on all accounts. And seeing a Blue Lives Matter flag in Mississippi, was I surprised? No, but... The fact that people have such a high regard for people who literally could not care if I live or die is just so scary. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, I could be walking in my neighborhood and somebody could call the cops on me and I could be dead in five minutes. And for them to be waving a flag for those people is just 
so concerning and then I don't understand I don't think that a lot of uh I'm gonna be frank I don't think a lot of white people don't understand that because they come from a place I literally have no more rights than livestock because I don't stand up for some cloth in the sky like it it just I shouldn't have to stand like why should I stand for a country and its people when its people and the country thinks that I am less than like it just makes no sense like my I was brought into this world with less rights than you know a kid in the next room and I think we shouldn't be praising a flag or a government as much as we do to the point where it causes riots or it causes deaths or it literally tears a country apart. Like it just doesn't make sense in my mind to any degree. Um, which I mean, a lot of people could say, oh, that's, you know, my youthfulness talking or that's my immaturity talking which could be very well and frankly true but also it's the fact of there's no reason for it i mean even the government talking about military people saying oh you should stand for veterans oh you should i mean yeah i mean veterans are pretty great but i'm not about to go stand for somebody that's killing children in another country for some oil like that just why would I do that? Why would I praise a person who is literally killing innocent people for something that's so materialistic? Like, does it help our country run? Yes, I am 100% sure it does. But is it worth killing somebody over? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. And they go around doing that while waving around this flag. And then people from other countries look at America with such disdain and our flag was such disdain because they know, I mean, we're literally, we're a high running third class country. Like it's, yeah, we really are. And I see it more every day, um, especially living in the lower 48 and especially living in the South. And I just, I would, I'm not saying I hate my country with every fiber of my being, but I'm saying that when Trump had the chance of being elected again, and I was, of course, applying to colleges and I was, you know, doing all my stuff, taking my SATs, ACTs, my mother literally sat me down one night and was like, if he gets elected, I don't care. Like, she was very frank with me that if I wanted to take my passport and go and move and leave to another country, she would 100% support me and she would probably come with me too. And the fact that we lived... <laughs> do you think you would have actually... Do you think you would have actually gone through with that? I don't know. That's... That's like the really scary part is that I couldn't even, like at that time, at first I was like, oh, she's like completely joking. Oh no, this is a, and then literally looking at her face and seeing that she was a hundred percent 
like I mean I'm 17 she would have let her 17 year old kid leave just for the because if he had been elected again she knew my life would have been in shambles and the fact of the matter is as I think about it now I think I would have I would have taken the chance I would have gone and it's scary to think that I would have done that and I would have had to have taken that chance and I would have had to have leave, have left or gone away. It's because even as a minority in another country, I mean, I'm never really safe. <laughs> but the fact that I would have to leave the country that I was born in, that's on all my official documents, that I am, I mean, I'm a full blooded U.S. American citizen and the fact that I would have to leave my own place to feel mm. safe is a horrific, horrible feeling. And so that's why when it's just really frustrating when people praise a flag in a, in a country when you know that, yeah, it's great for them, but then of course the selfishness part comes back of as long as it's great for them, that means that everybody else is great. And if you don't think it's great for you, then you're wrong. And they don't open their eyes or their mind and see that not everybody else is vibing and thriving. <laughs> like, it's it's not like that. And I just think that as if you, the listener, <laughs> are listening to this podcast and after this you sit in your room in silence for 15 minutes and think about what we said... I just really hope that you, as a person, take away the fact that you are either really privileged or you are really disadvantaged. And if you're on the privileged side, I want you to think about, I guess, how you could be a really great ally to your minority counterparts and also how Sometimes you don't need to be a white savior or a person who is performative and how you need to genuinely want to go in a fight or uh, anything with a servant heart and also understand that it's hard. <laughs> it is hell. It is difficult. And... If you are a minority, I want you to know that it's hard, <laughs> it's hell, and it is difficult as all get out, and that you are 100% not alone. Um, I mean, I obviously am not going to be there with you, <laughs> um, but I hope you know that you have so many people in your corner and that However you choose to fight against racism, sexism, um, homophobia, like just everyday, all the isms um, that, I mean, you're stronger than how, you're stronger than the weakness that they, that other people try to push onto you. And 
whether you decide to stand for a flag or whether you decide not to. I mean, it's your choice ultimately, but also really think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And to also be really, really sure about why you're doing something and why you're not doing something would be my only words I could give to you as a person and as hopefully a really good podcaster. <laughs> um, so <laughs> my long-winded speech, I think, is over. <laughs> no, it it's honestly insane to witness um, sort of the clash, you know, between people who genuinely have to experience this versus those who are almost given the choice between either being complicit within it and or endorsing it or um, actively going against it. And yet at the same time, like you're saying, there are so many examples of performative activists where you have people who are right. in it purely to be able to be like, oh yeah, I was doing that. Like right. focusing on, uh, the issue in a very self-centered and self um, self-aggrandizing mm-hmm. way where you are pushing yourself and who you are in your politics before the actual lives and experiences <laughs> of others. And I think that is yeah. one of the fundamental things that I had to, um, on, honestly, that was one of many things that growing up as a white American, right? It is going to now take the rest of my life, you know, to unlearn the things that were um, innately Mm -hmm. placed into my mind from a very early age, you know, and it's not easy and it's not fun, you know, and it's not something that I'm going to post about on Instagram for as many likes as possible. It is a constant struggle. And that's the whole thing. It is going to take that effort, you know, in order to make sure that in the event that I do have kids, that they may be able to not mm-hmm. have to start off at that baseline, you know. And mm-hmm. there's a very fine line between that and then getting into the mode of, uh, like, white savior, where it's like, I need to do this yeah. to help all the poor minorities, <laughs> you know. Where it's like, no, it, it should not be um something to praise yourself for it is a negative you know it is something that is not a good aspect it is a very obvious mark against you and you have to accept that and be like okay who do i have to listen to what do i need to learn what do i need to start doing who can i um help endorse and um Something that's often really ignored is the ability for even situations like this to like sit back and just shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just gotta just sit still and be quiet and just listen. And people don't understand that. And also, P backing off of the whole Instagram part was last summer. Well, last, I mean, March, all through that time of the protests and the killings and everything, that was some of the most emotionally draining months of my life as a Black person. 
with the performative activism because you will be reading all the stuff, reading all the articles and stuff, and you'd be like, okay, okay, I've read it. I know what's happening. I need a moment to breathe. I just need to look at some stupid cat videos or something on Instagram. Open up your Instagram. You're like, oh, let me open up so-and-so story. And it's literally a video of somebody's neck getting stomped on or somebody dying. And then it's just, it's the cycle starting all over again. And then the next slide would be like, oops, sorry guys, that's probably graphic. Yeah, no crap, Emily. It's gonna be graphic. Like, And the fact that they would be posting their little black squares, but then they'd post it so it looked aesthetically pleasing with their Instagrams. And then when you called them out on it, they'd be like, oh, I was just trying to make sure it looked pretty and nice. And, and no, that, that's not the point. That has never been the point and will never be the point. And the fact that you're doing all of this, but still have, has a boyfriend that says the N-word in every little rapping song that he hears, like... I mean, clearly I'm not the problem, so you should be doing a little something. And literally having to see videos of people dying regularly, I mean, it takes a toll on you. And I mean, I'm talking about this as a person who's seen these videos and also with the other Black people I've surrounded myself with who've said themselves that going on Instagram was a chore and sometimes it still is a chore um because now it's gotten to the point where uh was uh you charlie d'amelio charlie d'amelio still has black lives matter as her she still does she still has black lives matter as her little thing mind you this girl just turned 17 years old she has over a hundred million followers and having black lives and she doesn't have it in her bio at all which is of course fine but she has it as her little avatar little screen name whatever and i've been thinking about it and i was like as soon as she changes that to a video of her dancing as soon as she changes it to a, just a picture of her they are going to eat her alive which is both a mistake and not her fault her first mistake was making it her picture she might as well she should have just made it her bio and it could have been interchangeable with everything that she's posted but also the fact that people seeing it taken away people are automatically going to assume oh this little 17 year old chick hates all black people or hates all minorities or all this other stuff when literally she just cares about a check like literally cares about a check and I actually would like to know so as a part of tiktok right you have the ability yeah. on your profile to set an organization to send uh your fans can donate to it and you can donate to it as well right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Charlie D'Amelio has it set to the American Dance Movement, which is meant to build healthy communities through dance and movement. Allegedly. That means um, and she has, at present, raised $109.29,000, right? Um, mm -hmm. But if you're... Act so, again, and keep in mind, that is with mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter um, profile that has been there since last year. It has been there for a year, at least, which... I yes, do think it's interesting that her family is incredibly conservative. 
I would just like to note that because she is profiting off of it very obviously. But totally yeah. fine. Um, however, oh, did you see the tweets that her father made? Oh wait, no, you finish your thing, and then I'll tell you about the tweets oh, that her dad made. That one, anyways. So with TikTok, you're able to select from this massive list of organizations, right? Um, and it ranges mm -hmm. from things like the American Red Cross to um, like Act to Change. Uh, it does include Autism Speaks, which that's kind of a strike against it because, oh my god, that's a horrific organization. But um, I would right. like to note that they do have um, the Black AIDS Institute, which is dedicated to ending HIV in Black America, as well as Black Girls Code, which is um, dedicated towards producing Black women in STEM. Um, as well as Black Women in Motion, right. which is meant to empower mm -hmm. Black women um, and survivors of sexual violence, as well as the Black Youth Helpline. Um, so you have right. these organizations that are dedicated specifically towards Black America and like Black Americans and benefiting their lives and trying to empower Black men and women. Right. Um, and that is their express purposes. Exactly. And yet, and she has the option to be able to put that there. And in order to get the organization she endorses, she probably had to scroll past them. Yeah. So, like, at, at what point is it just, like, is she profiting for that charity from Black trauma, you know? I, I mean, I could say that everything is honestly stemmed from Black trauma, but to some degree, I mean, think about how she became famous. She became oh, famous. stealing the dances of black yeah, women? like, she became famous by stealing a dance from a black girl who literally has a good nine, like, 90 million followers lower than her. So, I just, yeah, it, it's, yeah. At what point do we stop, like, praising white women for doing half as much as black women mediocrity yeah oh because yeah. like have you ever seen the comparisons yeah. between like the original dances charlie steals versus like the actual dances she does where it's just like you see the original creators the dances like doing 110 percent, and then she's just doing it like half ass mm -hmm. and yet they get what ten thousand likes and she gets 1.3 million God. Yep. felt that when i felt that when i posted my first uh video and uh, <laughs> little white boys got more followers than I did. But it's okay. I'm not salty anyway, at back all. To trashing the D'Amelio family. <laughs> yeah. What about the like, father? Literally, yeah, it was. It it was it was a tweet that um, I'm sure many people saw it. Um, it it he deleted it. Um, which makes me really sad, but oh, I found it. Okay, okay. So, Mark D'Amelio, uh, Charlie D'Amelio's, and Dixie D'Amelio's father um, made a tweet on December 28th, 2019. And he decided to say, and I'm quoting, so begin quote, not sure when I became a quote white man white guy dot 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 I grew up an Italian boy from New York with the last name D'Amelio living in Connecticut I always felt inadequate 
We all have a story that our skin color may not tell. I'm going to read it again. Not sure when I became white guy, I grew up an Italian boy from New York with the last name D'Amelio living in Connecticut. I have always felt inadequate. We all have a story that our skin color may not tell. What kind of... Why do Italian Americans want to be oppressed so bad? <laughs> like, they want to be like, oppressed. Just... It's so weird. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, of course, everyone was like, literally, he's white. Like, there's there's no other way it could have been spelled differently. Like, it literally is white. And the fact that he, like, when people look at you, they're going to be like, oh, there's a white guy. They're not going to look at you and be like, ah, yes, there's a, that is a white guy who is very oppressed, an Italian from New York. Don't forget New that when you spell Italian, you have to put no, eggs in it. No, like. <laughs> oh yes yes like when people look at me they're like oh there goes that n-word like they probably say n-word be with it you know n-word bitch like it's it's like i'm a i'm i'm too many minorities at once y'all <laughs> and the fact that he decided to victimize himself Honestly, that whole family is shady. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm probably going to get a 12-year-old doxing me. That whole family is shady. That entire family is shady. You cannot tell me that, like, someone said that they hated, um, what's her name? Dixie D'Amelio's little Sometimes I Don't Want to Be Happy song, which is straight trash. You know it's trash. Like, don't lie and tell people you like it. No, you hate it. You know you do, baby. It's just let it out. Somebody said they didn't like it. Man tried to sue him. What it's kind just, of... It's funny to me that someone what? like uh, the father is entirely incapable of understanding that from birth he has had better access to things purely because he's not a person of color, you know? Where you have... Yeah, and a man. Even though he's yeah. not a person of color, he's a man. And a straight man at that. <laughs> Which means that he, exactly. like, as a white man in America, you have better access to almost any resource imaginable, whether it be school or work or, like, anything. Like, um, there's so, like, I hate to be the one who's like, oh my god, like, studies and shit. But, like, it's not something you just be like, well, that's just, like, not true. That's a personal thing. Like, there have been studies yeah. where... People in America don't like black-sounding names when it comes to job applications. And yep. you have things like black dog syndrome, you know, where Americans mm -hmm. are so wired from birth to be anti-black that they adopt black dogs at a lower rate than white dogs because they see them as more aggressive. Like, yeah, it's so... And it's not something that's, like, universal, like, Oh, all white people. It's Americans. It is white America. That is a specific breed, and it is a different fucking feral breed. And it's fostered by people like the fucking father of the D'Amelios. Like, it's that sort of subtlety where they're like, well, I had problems too. 
Like, it wasn't easy being Italian. (laughs) (laughs) And they think that that is an equal experience. It's like, oh, well, I didn't get a callback on this job, which means, like, you just need to work harder. And it's like, okay, you didn't get hired for one job, but could you imagine every single job you applied to rejecting you purely because of your last or first name? And then even if your last and first name sound white and then you show for an interview with your hair naturally done and a fro and puffball, anything, they will literally call you unprofessional because it's not straight and it's I, not white looking. I can't remember. Does the military still have regulations against like quote unquote unkempt hair where it was like purely guidelines made to be anti-black? I don't know because they did just change it to where they're allowed to wear ponytails now and braids. Because I, I know those that that's still things. an issue in corporate America where there are a lot of corporations that still restrict hairs and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if it's that specifically, but I know they just changed some of them, but I don't know if they changed all the guidelines. So that was one. So um, this was last summer, right? And uh, my sister's wife was like talking to me because I at the time hadn't applied. Um, I hadn't applied for university yet. And I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure what I was going to do because I wasn't sure like if I was going to spend the next four years in America or not because I was <laughs> I was really on the fence about that. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about um, one thing that I was... So, for a little bit, I drank some Kool-Aid. <laughs> Ooh. And I was like, guys, you know, the Space Force probably wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> oh, goodness. Which, like, me joining the military-industrial complex? Oh, my God, what the hell was I smoking? Anyways, I thought it was really interesting that as a part of their guidelines you are really restricted in personal identification through things. Like, mm-hmm. um, specifically as a guy, you can't have earrings of any kind because this is un- un- like unprofessional, right? Um, Hairstyle right. has to be short. You can't have longer hair. Um, and it also has to be like, you have a set number of styles, which is like really mm-hmm. weird to me. Um, and like all these different things, it's a very controlled environment. But when you're looking through these guidelines, it's really tailored, tailored? Wow, that's a fucking word. It's tailored to, like, white people in the military. It is very clear through their wording and what they're saying and the examples shown. And it's just like, like, how is it that you are able to have an institution like the U.S. military that has existed for, what, 300 years? Yeah. 250? Well, not 300, clearly not. We haven't had the tricentennial, but... At least over 250 years, right? And still right. you have, like, guidelines that are... I mean, they might as well be from the fucking 1900s, where they don't mm-hmm. apply to 10% of your population at a minimum? Like, what? Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't even... <laughs> It. Ugh, I don't even have. I don't even know how I. I could say anything that wouldn't probably get me attacked by some random person off the side of the street. Um, 
just the the leaps and bounds people go through to be oppressed is concerning. Um. Oh dear God. <laughs> Sorry, it, that that just reminded I, me of the thing that was like, um, guys, am I still white if I'm non-binary? <laughs> yes. Like yes. That, that, you are. Oh my God, that is such a big thing within like circles of LGBT uh, like individuals online where. First of all, there is so much shit that just doesn't matter. You know, like, ace discourse, mm -hmm. pan discourse. Like, the shit that, like, if you walk outside and talk to a normal fucking human being, you sound completely <laughs> incomprehensible, right? But, yeah. like, it comes down to people attaching more and more labels to themselves in an attempt to distance mm -hmm. themselves from their whiteness, you know? Where it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm not white, I'm gay, I'm not white, I'm non-binary. And it's like, sh like but, yes, but that is a modifier. You are white before anything else. <laughs> yes, exactly. And people don't understand, like, yes, you can be gay and part of a, a minority group, but you cannot just be adding the fact that you identify as i don't know an oppressed peoples of color like that just it doesn't it doesn't work that way um and if you are working that hard to be oppressed we have so many other issues so many um because i mean being a like being oppressed is not it like i don't know how i can say it any more clear than that um it is not a joyride it is not fun we may make it seem like it's fun because that's all we have like that's all we've been able to do to make it bearable to make jokes and to you know joke about our traumas but i'm not over here hooping and hollering because someone just called me a slur the other day like it just it doesn't work that way and i wish more people understood that That's the thing. I feel like people just assume that having oppression in some way is inherently like valuable, where it mm -hmm. it promotes it like work. unity or creativity or like, but then, like no one actively wants oppression. People actively no. seek distance from it, but mm -hmm. then you have the oppressors try to integrate themselves into that group and then once they're in they force you out like over and yes. over and over which and over. why we call a lot of white people <clears throat> colonizers <laughs> um they i thinking about how there's so many movies about black people or people of color that are trauma movies like you know somebody got a bad baby daddy or somebody's got you know somebody's got to die at the end or all this other stuff and people have been begging for just black joy movies because we're so tired of seeing you know all the pain and instead we keep getting all these movies by white people like um what's that movie that just came out on netflix oh, uh God. queen and Slim. oh i thought you were gonna talk about antebellum oh god that too um oh. yeah but that came out written by a white man 
And I mean, it's about a bad marriage between black people. Like it was like trying so hard to sound woke that it was not woke <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, just, I mean, I'm sure it comes with the territory, but sometimes you just gotta stick in your place and stay in your place and understand that the place is made for you for a reason. <laughs> I was just trying to think of other, um, cause that's like, you have such a wide audience that is like desperately craving media to be like, <laughs> just avoiding, you know, systemic racism yeah. or slavery, like choose literally anything else. Like you have any other topic to go with. Um, any like, I want a black vampire movie. Why did I have to suffer through Twilight? <laughs> I want black people fighting crime. I just want the bare minimums. And y'all over here giving me 12 years of slave. Like, I didn't ask for this. I just think it's insane that you have, like, commercial and box office and, like, um, award darlings like Black Panther. And still, they're like, well, we could, like, I don't know, give them a woman. They can accept a woman instead, right? Yeah. <laughs> But that um that reminds me, uh me and some friends we were watching this film from twenty twenty called Spree, which is like it's insane. Some people have described it as being like the Gen Z equivalent of American Psycho, like tearing apart Ooh. social media and everything. Um it stars uh Joe Keery, who's what's his face in Stranger Things. Uh uh the, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, he's like famous or whatever. But um, um. <laughs> like, honestly, the star of the show was uh, Sashir Zamata as Jesse Adams. Like, oh my god, the way that it turned... Like, from the beginning, you think that it's just going to be, like, a... Like, honestly, going off the beats of the story, I thought it was just going to, like, victimize another black woman and turn her into, like, another mm -hmm. victim of a white guy who's a serial killer. Which is really Ugh. weird, because in the beginning, they, like, try to make him woke, but it's like, he's a fucking serial killer, so, like, what are you trying to do with that? exactly but but luckily luckily somehow <laughs> they managed to like avoid that right and ended up um like the ending was a very empowering story for uh her character where she is able to like rise above it and like use it as a launch pad for herself where it's mm -hmm. like she is not the victim she is the survivor you know and i was just like right. we need like Give us more of that, you know? Like, fuck the mm -hmm. fucking victimization. Like, it is so good to just see people succeed, you know? And, like, actually do well. Instead of just being like, here's another re <laughs> another recount of what it was like to be in Missouri in the 1850s, you know? Yes. And I feel like there's no way that there's a drought in Hollywood of those scripts. It just seems like not enough, like scripts are being accepted because i'm assuming it relates back to that one episode that you wanted to cover that was talking about whiteness within hollywood and how there is such an explosion <laughs> of people of color when it comes to awards um i don't know if that actually i can't tell if it's actually picking my voice or not because it keeps going out um ranging from like awards mm -hmm. to script writing and like uh actual positions for actors and actresses um, what right. what did you actually end up having when you were going through bits and pieces for that uh, episode? 
Um, well, for that episode, well, that one was also very difficult to think about because you think about a lot of your favorite, um, well, during that time, I was also thinking very heavily about a very beloved actor, um, Chadwick Boseman and how, uh, Black Panther had changed him. And then I was also thinking about, oh, the guy who played Aladdin, um, I'm sorry that I can't remember his name, y'all. Um, how he was in a movie with Will Smith and he was in a movie with the girl from that girl from Lemonade Mouth, uh, Naomi something something. Best friends with Bridget Mindler. Y'all know who I'm talking about. He was in that movie. He played Aladdin. And then he did interviews and was like, ever I haven't had a role as big as that. And people don't and like companies don't call me anymore but I mean Will Smith was in a movie with Tom Holland playing a pigeon the other day uh, which could be about you know his money or his connections but it's also the fact that even after breaking through that glass ceiling that's been domed over people of color above that glass ceiling is a wall of concrete mm. it, it you get through it and you get that breath you feel invincible you feel like oh i've done it i've broken it i have made my way and then you don't hear from those people again and they become that one person from that one movie that you liked that one time because they don't get called anymore they don't get asked to do auditions or they don't get the roles anymore because once you play an angry black woman or once you play a angry black man or once you play a terrorist or once you play a flamboyant gay like it's just once you play those stereotypical and all those things kinds of roles then you're ingrained in those roles and people only want you for those roles and then for that one time that you're like no I want to play something different your phone stops ringing and so doing all of that and then also pertaining it to the oscars or the grammys to award shows and how um like thinking about the grammys and how beyonce was able to be you know the first woman of color and also the first person to win so many grammys and then for people to like be bashing her and Megan the Stallion, like women of color, because BTS didn't win for a song that plays inside of Old Navy on Saturdays. Like, if anything from this episode is getting us doxxed, it's that <laughs> <laughs> K pop stands are so feral. No, that, um, yeah. that's like a whole other thing. Oh my god, we. The way that this, I love how this unscripted episode is basically just like a recap of a lot of episodes that we really want to talk about, but like we didn't have enough exactly. alone. Um, the way that online stan culture, especially for K-pop fans, is so fetishistic of Asian like men and women, Ugh. and then like virulently opposes like anyone else, but especially is distasteful with um, mm -hmm. like black men and women. And, like, the whole yeah. thing that happened with the Grammys and that was just, like, 
it, it was really like a, a slip of the mask moment where it's like, that is what's lying beneath that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was on TikTok the other day and this one person was like, as soon as one of your favorite K-pop people get engaged or married or starts dating a girl, and especially a girl of color, half of their stand base is going to be gone. Like, a good half of that is going to be because it's a girl. The other half is going to be because it's a girl of color. If it, I mean, if, of course, they, if and when they date. And that's because most of them are racist. You go on Twitter and go on one of those BTS, K-pop, or one of those other ones. What's another one? They got like a Red Velvet. Yeah, Red Velvet's a K-pop group, I think. Um, And you go deep in there. Some of the stuff they're saying, some of the stuff was mad creative. I was like, dang, I ain't even thought about this stuff myself. Like, it was... I mean, of course, it's mildly concerning, but then you're like, you work this hard on Twitter, but that English assignment that's been due for three months ain't been written yet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need you to stop having top and bottom discourse on Twitter. You have to kill a Mockingbird chapters 12 and 13 analysis due tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the the... The fetishization that goes against it, like, it just, it's so disgusting. And then they don't find a problem with it. Like, I am, I wholly admit, I am an avid fan fiction reader. I, Wattpad is open on my phone, at least 24-7. And I don't generally read K-pop um fan fiction it's just not my cup of tea um but if you would like to email us to ask me what i like to read i will happily give you actually wait, <laughs> what real I read. Quick, can we talk about how bizarre like this isn't something only uh applicable to like k-pop stands this is something where it's like mm-hmm. why do people write like fan fiction but especially uh especially like slash fiction between Ugh. real people and I, I remember seeing this come to prominence within, like, the Hamilton era of, like, 2016, 2017, where people were, like, shipping the Founding Fathers, and, like, everyone was well, okay. really into Hamilton making was John okay, Lawrence gay. Hamilton was okay. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah. It, it. I think they did that yeah. with One Direction, too. Yes, Larry. Yeah, yeah Larry, Lewis, and Harry, or, um. Also, it was Nile, it was Neri or like all those other ones. It was like, okay, I understand. No, but it's also the fetishization of, with K-pop, it's also the fetishization of them and their Asian features and their Asian life. And then it's also the BL, Boy Love part of it where all they do is write about them fucking each other. Like, I think it's so funny that you just know someone named like Christina is living in like Texas, reading K-pop like boy love slash fiction, and it's like still gonna go home and call someone a slur. Like, you know she's still homophobic, but she's still she's still kind of yep. into that. 
Um, no, but what that that reminds me of is two things. Um, now that we're kind of like drifting onto this topic, R.I.P. Flags. Mm. Flags were there for a second. We'll bring them back at some point. Um, yeah, it's that of firstly sort of the evolution of the model minority myth when it comes especially to mm-hmm. Asian Americans, which I feel like right. sort of the hyper fetishization of Asian. Well, to, well, you have the hyper sexualization of asian women but then you have like Mm -hmm. a demasculinization of asian men which like you see with most of k-pop right but especially with like even aside from k-pop you have people who are saying like oh like asian men have like smaller penises or whatever or they're like they're not attractive where it's Mm -hmm. like that has to be some sort of evolution or sub subgroup of that but then at the same time in Hollywood, because you're kind of on that topic, is um, you see this a lot in cyber futurism. So you have, um, uh, I think Blade Runner is one that sort of depicts it, where you have uh, settings in Asian cities in the far future, and it's like hyper tech, uh, hyper tech, no, uh, I don't know. Technologically advanced. I get it's basically like a hyper technology world where you have like all sorts of stuff and um there's kind of a point on a lot of online communities about blade runner because they had one of their newer movies come out a few years ago and it was talking Mm -hmm. about how you have this depiction of asia as being incredibly obsessed with technology past the point of like humanity itself and how that like plays into all these different notions of like um the success of asia or like how successful asian should be and like all these different things and it really Mm -hmm. just feeds this idea of like hollywood being a self-perpetuating cycle of just like (laughs) myth to concept to production to final bit and then that final Mm -hmm. production like feeds into popular culture and that popular culture then creates more myth like it's still right. insane how that cycle, like, the cycles never change, right? It adapts because it's meant to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really obvious when you look at Hollywood now that that cycle is starting to be tested because you're having, like, clearly better films that are coming from places that aren't Hollywood because, oh my god, they need to stop making fucking superhero movies. <laughs> like train to busan and parasite these films from korea that are like amazing and provocative and just like, and then people got mad because of the subtitles <laughs> yeah i can't re- i think it was the director of parasite that was saying how if you would just look beyond those few inches at the bottom of the screen you open up your mind to like a whole new world of cinema it's like yep he said that when he won the award such a good quote love that (laughs) and it's so true because you think you have a world with seven point what billion and we only watch films from a couple million assholes in california Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and it's and also the fact of like people watch anime all the time anime kind of i mean not always in japanese but i mean it's it's generally in japanese and y'all have no issue 
with watching it with subtitles. I don't understand how this is any different. Like, it There's just makes sense. There's such a weird double standard when it comes to that sort of stuff. Like, when you're watching mm-hmm. films from, like, France that are all subtitled and black and white and feature a lot of smoking cigarettes, like, it's art, it's film, it's cinema. But then when it comes from, like, anywhere that isn't Europe, it's... Like... The way that people bash films from, like, India and China, like, all these different places that are producing films that are at equal or better caliber to what Hollywood has to offer. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. What, uh, there's another movie that I went and saw a little while back. Um, hold on. I feel bad for, like, derailing. Um, it was from 2018. It's a thriller slash drama. It's called Pihu, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's from India, from a director, and it is, it, I have not had a film haunt me like that in the way that it did. <laughs> it, like, it stuck to my system for, like, days, because I just couldn't shake off the dread that it gave me, which, right. for those listening, in case you need a movie recommendation, I'm pretty sure it's still on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah. But it's it's about um, a young girl who is left alone in her home because her father has gone on a trip and her mother mm-hmm. has died and is laying dead in bed. And that, that's revealed in the first couple of minutes. So my, minor spoilers. Bit late for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the film basically is like her... You are feeling the dread of like... You know when your mom growing up always told you like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You're watching it happen mm-hmm. and you're starting to realize, oh my god, no, don't do that. But you're you're just a passive audience and you can't interact. And that it was so like it was such a visceral feeling of like um parental instinct almost, where it's like, I want to help, like I need to stop, like, oh my god, like stop, 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 stop. <laughs> right. And the entire film, not in English, right? all subtitled mm-hmm. and still it gives you that feeling and it's like it's such bs when people blame subtitles for like ruining the movie experience like it i don't know i feel like part of that is just an inability for people to acknowledge that the rest of the world exists and that america isn't like the center of the universe <laughs> Ugh, which, is so, which is such a bitter pill for them to swallow and so rather than swallowing that pill they raise up their flag <laughs> Yeah. Uh, actually, dragging dragging us all the way back, kicking and screaming to the topic of flags. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I still think it's really fascinating to see how now we're starting to contend with flag design as like a idea, because for so long, flags have just been like made and used, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's really an art form when you think about it, because you're making something that has to visually, like, visually describe not just the place, but also, like, the people in it and their beliefs and all that, you know? Um, and for me, that led me down a rabbit hole of listening to podcasts and watching videos about, uh, vexillology, which I think is, like, an informal study. It's not, like, a real, real study, but, um... Basically, it's, like, the analysis of flag design and, like, meaning and Mm -hmm. sort of, like, uh, changing it from just, like, a thing that needs to be done to more of, like, a thing that has rules and guidelines. That way you don't have ugly flags. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
and they have like rules that actually restrict a lot of flags that do so the funny thing about flag design is that when you do certain things they look very bad <laughs> and unfortunately a lot of the u.s states decided to do those things because they're i mean just lazy i guess or they didn't think about it um but the rules are pretty simple and they're really easy to memorize which is kind of a nice thing because when you have a rule that makes sense it kind of just slips into your brain like that you know um right and i think it's really neat that basically the rules boil down to you should be able to have children be able to like recreate the flag you know you should be able to make it from memory it shouldn't have text or numbers on it with like a few very rare exceptions you know and it should be able to be like able to stand out while also you know being appealing to the eyes you only use like two to three colors that sort of stuff like very baseline rules but then when you mm-hmm. think about it 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 works with like a lot of flags that do exist um although if i really wish we had a visual for this if you look up what all 50 states have their flags as some of them <laughs> really miss the mark and some of them really get it like flag of new mexico so good flag of alaska <laughs> so good just changed <laughs> but like a lot of oh right didn't they have to like get rid of it because of the confederate flag in the corner yeah they just changed it to something almost equal no i can't say equally as bad because this one isn't inherently racist to about half its state oh did they replace um, it with a swastika <laughs> <laughs> no they changed it to a magnolia which is still a white people thing um oh wait what is the history behind that actually it i mean it they people are still flying the old flag which is really frustrating like deeply flying the old flag oh it's like a protest Uh, to it yeah and then it's just like it's not even worth it anymore y'all like i mean i know the new flag's ugly but like come on now there's no reason for it and even like arguing with them over it they're like this is my this is what my grand my great grandparents stood for and then you're like they stood for slavery and they're like no they stood for the right to own property and i was like what was the property that they were trying to own (laughs) did they stand for this flag yeah what part of it did they stand for the slaves kind of (laughs) yeah and then they all and then they you know get all quiet and then they're like that's not what i meant and then you're like okay tell me what you meant and then they can't answer it but yeah they changed it and they had an open change to where they let like anyone submit it submit a design and Mississippi is in the Bible Belt, y'all. And the amount of crosses and there was no separation of church and state, like at all. Separation of church <laughs> and state in America? Do you like? Do you think that's a thing? That's a, that's not a thing. I that know. is a liberal hoax. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, y'all. Um, yeah, it was an experience going through some of the submissions. Some were just as racist as the last one. Some I would never show another person again because I felt 
unsafe. Um, Christ. Uh, I... I like how we ended up on flags again. This is great. I know I dragged us back here. It, it's really weird how you have so many examples across the world of places that are able to change flags and like genuinely make it work, you know, um, mm -hmm. where it takes an effort and like it, like, like anything, it takes an effort and like you actually need people to be engaged with it. Like, um, you had Germany fall into the hands of the third Reich, right? With like Hitler, mm -hmm. Nazis, fascism, world war two, all that. Not to sound like one of those Rotsy kids who talks about fucking Germans in World War II because those bitches scare me. Um, <laughs> but it, it's really fascinating where you had that flag that became very quickly associated with the Nazi party because, I mean, it was produced by them, right? Um, exactly. And it, it falls out of favor after that all collapses in on itself. But then from those ashes, they drag back the current flag that they use, right, which is the black, red, and uh, gold. And that mm -hmm. itself is a flag that was tied to, um, like, democratic ideals and revolution in Germany. And now it stands for sort of that progress towards a better, more um, egalitarian nation where there isn't any chance for, like, another party like the fascists to rise again, you know? Um... But there's, like, a complete inability in America for us to, like, let go of the past and be like, yeah, the past was sort of shitty. That's why it's left in the past. Where you still have yeah. um, the statues created by, like, the Daughters of the Confederacy to still stand tall Ugh. across various states. And you have, um, you have this entirely alternate version of history being taught in schools in the South, which, from the minor experience that I've had with that is through, I will not name the association to them, but um, an individual fairly within the orbit of my family, right? And he mm -hmm. is a child of the South, you know, he is old-fashioned in the probably absolutely definitely racist category. Um, mm -hmm. But he has a fundamental disagreement with reality when it comes to the civil war and it he's very adamant about it which is it's really weird because i'm i don't know if this is just like a thing that i do that isn't normal or if this is just like a thing most people do but when it when it comes to like facts about a thing i'm probably able to adjust enough to be like okay yeah like i don't let it like rock my world to the point where I'm like no it happened this way <laughs> you know but yeah. it, it's weird because that education structure I'm not sure if you had much experience with it down there for the few years that you've been down there but like like I don't know how it's so I mean I understand how it's different because clearly they teach it entirely opposed to reality but it's just weird to me how mm -hmm. it becomes um a part of their identity as a person you know yeah, the, the praising of inanimate objects concerns me. Um, the I like it literally is an idol, mm. and 
I mean, I'm not even talking about like, you know, the religious standpoint of, you know, shouldn't stand for no idols or nothing like that. It's just the like, it's not going to keep you warm at night. It's not going to, I don't know, save your grandmama from dying. It's like literally, I mean, what's it going to do for you? And why do you love it so much? There's just no reason to. And I just think that we as people are always looking at the next big thing and always want something that's shiny and new that we don't even care about anything else. Um, especially other people. And we should always, you know, what's that saying that Harry Styles says? What is it? Treat it's treat people with kindness, isn't it? Isn't that what he says? I could rant about Harry Styles, but yes, I'm pretty sure that's what he says. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I'm sorry. Man, I'm going to be doxed by so many the, people today. The way I'm that sorry. we're going to have like a race to see who doxes yeah, us I, I don't listen to Harry Styles either. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, people are going to hit me up and be like, what do you listen to? I'm going to be frank with you. Hannah Montana slaps on a good day. Um, like we should just all 100% treat people with kindness, but we also... I mean, walk a mile in somebody's Louis Vuittons. Like, <laughs> not everybody going through what you're going through, and not everybody is gonna believe what you believe, which is okay as long as you aren't being racist, xenophobic, homophobic, and all the other obics and isms. And you need to understand that. And a lot of people don't, and they should. Ooh. <laughs> a hush falls over the room. No, I just it, it's so funny to me, like now after learning so much over these last couple of years, where there's been like a shit ton of growth, you know. But also mm -hmm. just like retroactively having to like scorch earth parts of my memory where it's like I think it's really funny how much that has changed my outlook on things. Where mm -hmm. Like, I don't, it, it has to be something that is profited on just by human nature, where we erect these, um, these sort of straw men to then light on fire and then wave about and be like, this is what you believe, this is what you believe, this is embarrassing, like, this is dumb, I'm so much smarter than you, you know? Um, right. Which, those sort of effigies, which have now been put in place with basically everything ranging from masks to uh i don't know whether or not we should go to war <laughs> is <laughs> scary although i'm sure like rolling back it's probably something to do with like fundamental tribalism that like humans have developed you know which it's, it's scary to like work against human nature to like not bash your fucking neighbors you know um, yeah but at the same time like it's so interesting to see how easily people are swayed to believing that that's their solution to everything where mm -hmm. your solution isn't through cooperation and through like collective benefit but it's through me 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 and also i'm going to blame this group you know where yeah it's... they blame everyone else but themselves first yeah but like it doesn't help that you have corporations who like do all this damage and then like are the ones putting money in the pot that's like the blame immigrants fucking container you know 
like fucking corporations in America have exported tens of thousands of jobs overseas, right? And then instead of being mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this corporation just ruined this town because there's corporate towns in America, you know, where it's like one factory supplied almost every job and like the whole local economy. And instead of holding that company accountable, they like what become sinophobic and hate China or they just start hating Mexicans. Like, yeah. And it's, it's so frustrating because they, they genuinely don't see how that's wrong, but they're justified in their minds and you can't like break that from them, you know? Like, it's, it's so, I, I was talking to one of our friends earlier about this as we were driving back mm-hmm. from uh, Big Lake up in Alaska. And mm-hmm. um, I was just thinking about, like, you have a state that has such serene beauty, you know, and right. you have, it, it's, I don't, everyone here likes to say we're one of the most diverse states by, like, demographic, but I, I'm, we'll see, mm. I mean, sample size wise, maybe, who knows. Yeah. But, like, just thinking about how diverse it is to grow up here, you know, and then how you can, like, grow up in such an environment where there's, like, the world looks good and, like, everyone is working cooperatively together. And, like, people still turn these fucking pricks. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh my, driving in the valley past Anchorage is scary. I do not feel what? safe out there because it is it is like the South has risen again up there. <laughs> I have seen Confederate flags. You see fuck Biden stickers. I something I saw earlier, which again reminded me of the flag thing, which is why I wanted I wanted to focus this episode on the flag thing, was because I saw this camper or not it wasn't a camper. Mm-hmm. It was a truck that was towing a boat, right? The boat mm-hmm. was your typical modified Alaskan boat where it has, um, like, the wood paneling for the cabin. <laughs> no, right. You know the type. And then it yep. had two flagpoles on top of it at each end of the corner. So on the bottom left corner, bottom right corner. Bottom left mm-hmm. corner had a proudly raised Trump 2020 flag, right? Mm. Bottom right flag was the American flag, and the stand of it had, like, broken and fallen over, so it was just, like flapping violently like tearing apart on the corner and i was looking at that right. and all i can think of was like that is a perfect image you know that is exactly what i think when i see that you know it's like perfectly representative of the damage that intense fervor for political ideology does to like one's nation you know because right, even right. even though the flag represents, in its current state, systemic forms of discrimination and untold harm dealt to people daily and nonstop. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be so much better, you know? And, like, all it would take is for people right now to actually work towards that change and, like, acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that, no, the future isn't set in stone. Like, we can change this, you know? And, yeah. Like, like we were both fucking saying earlier, it's not easy, but it's worth it in the end. A hundred percent. Because when you can get to a point where, like, you can look up at the American flag and actually be like, yeah, like that, that'd be better than looking at it and being like, 
shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, part of me is like scared for the day that I look at the flag and realize that I don't hate it. And then another part of me is like, I'm going to hate this thing until the day I die. <laughs> so. I'm still, I'm just on the fence about it, you know, because it's like, I, I know how shitty everything is because it impacts me too. Like I get dealt shitty hands from it too, because America is a Christian nation, which means we hate faggots. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's just like, you know, it, it's still somewhere in my mind where it's like, I remember growing up and being blissfully ignorant and just being like, standing for the pledge, not acknowledging the fact that the pledge is fucking weird, you know? saying the pledge every day people from other countries are like so weirded out by it i didn't realize how like normalized it was until i realized that it shouldn't be right because i mean we stand every day and we're pledging our lives and god and everything for a country that like it just doesn't make sense it's just it's weird to me because i I don't know about you, but I still remember being able to, like, just do stuff like that and, like, not question it because I had no reason to. Because I was, like, you know, six. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I even would have been able to, like, comprehend half the words and, like, what they mean. I would just be like, ooh, flag. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did, yeah, I definitely wasn't thinking about it. It's Like, for you, what was the moment where you kind of snapped and were like, Oh, you know. Um. Well, there really were like two moments. One was Colin Kaepernick, of course, when he started kneeling. And then, of course, he got his job taken away and all of that. And then I, of course, had a very serious sit down with my parents. And they were very real and very frank with me about what was going on and how they felt about it and they said that i mean ultimately it was my choice but they told me what they were going to do and how they my parents have never pushed me in a direction but they also try to make sure that i'm very informed about all of the directions so i know which one to go to with all the education and information. And so that, of course, was what spurred me to start sitting during classes and uh, football games, all that other stuff. And then a really big um, push, which really just sparred my determination was in our freshman year of high school, we had a assembly during lunch or something. And I remember I was with my friends and I'd sat down for the pledge and like the presenting of the colors and all that stuff. And one of my friends like looked at me dead in the face and was like, you're un-American. You're not an American citizen if you don't stand for the pledge and all this stuff. And I just started crying. I mean, not in front of him, but I started crying in front of one of our other friends uh whose name starts with a g (laughs) (laughs) 
crying in front of him and he was like asking me if I was okay. He asked if I was okay and everything. And then I was just walking around the hallways because I didn't want to be with him anymore. And one of my teachers found me and pulled me aside. And I just talked about how I knew I was American and I felt American enough and I knew I was American. But the fact that me not standing was what distinguished me in other people's eyes as American or not really got to my feelings and to who I was as a person. And uh, of course my teacher understood. Then of course my teacher called my parents. <laughs> um, and that really was the moment where I became, after talking about it and thinking about it, I just became more determined to A, be my own person and also realize B, who my real friends are and then C, also realize that not everybody's going to like me and not everybody's going to believe what I'm going to believe and not everybody's going to value my life the way that it should be valued and I shouldn't hang around with those bum people who feel that way about my life and my people as an individual. And so that just sparked a determination of that. And I mean, and even at my graduation, that was last, I mean, the week for last, um, my parents, they were sitting in the crowd and they did the presenting of the colors and the pledge and the anthem and everything. They were sitting. They sat during it. Um, I unfortunately... Um, was not given the option of sitting during my graduation. I was standing, but my lips did not move and words did not come out of my mouth and my hands were behind my back and I did not say it, but I stood with everybody else because I was already standing, um, unfortunately, which also was really hard for me to do that day. Um, but honestly, the more people tell me that I'm not American and doing that, it solidifies me doing it more. Also because being American also means that I'm given the freedom of speech, religion, and also, I mean, my own free will within, of course, legal reasons. And this is very legal and it's within reason. So, yeah. <laughs> No, I know. I'm, I'm just like processing. <laughs> oh, it like um, went away. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It, it stops recording after like an hour of recording. It fails. Um, no, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're it, good. It's just. I don't. I. It was a very gradual thing for me, but it was definitely put into my head fairly early on it probably started back mm -hmm. in sixth seventh grade um mm -hmm. or probably actually more closer like fifth you know um right. and one it, it was a really weird instance of like cognition for me where it was like i mm -hmm. i remember we were called down to one of the 
I think the third graders class, right? So in um, elementary school, there were two floors and all the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, top floor, first, second, third, bottom floor. And mm-hmm. it was prob- it was in November, so the third graders were doing a unit on like Thanksgiving. And I remember that we were doing our unit too, but it was on like the somewhat censored version of uh spanish colonialism and like the harms that it had and uh the destruction of the way of life for the native peoples of america right and Mm -hmm. i remember just like watching these kids like talk about thanksgiving and like turkey and corn and wearing pilgrim hats and all i could think of was like it felt really wrong to me and i i didn't have the knowledge then to really understand why but i definitely had the inkling of it right right and as i continued getting older i was like learning more and more stuff and this is probably like a year later that i met uh a good friend of mine at the time before he moved and he was alaska native and we would talk about this sort of stuff and of course we're still kids but he it is insane the amount of discrimination that alaska natives face in local communities and he was talking about how like there were certain stores in town because in fairbanks there were a lot of um there's a lot of stores that are owned by locals so it's Mm -hmm. not like massive chains and stuff it's just tiny places and he was talking about how some wouldn't even sell to him because they thought that all of his money was like counterfeit and like all yep. this stuff. And I remember just like thinking all this stuff. And we were like talking about all this and we'd, we'd stay up late at night during summer talking about this sort of stuff just because it was something to do. And it was like obviously eating at his mind, you know? Exactly. And I remember just like at that point, I was like, it's starting to have the pieces come together where it's like, I am putting two and two together where it's like, there's like, this isn't something that I was taught, but it's something that I'm learning, you know? And eventually it sort of peaked in um, eighth grade and it was probably around um, all the disagreements over kneeling because of Kaepernick. Right. And I remember we actually, we, I was a part of the debate team, right? In middle school, as you probably remember. (laughs) Yep. The star debate team. Um, Uh, Dear God, were we mediocre. Um, (laughs) We're fighting about whether or not we should wear helmets. (laughs) Oh my God. The way that that's, that sort of cascaded in my life that I almost forgot about. Um, yeah. No, so during that era, we... Oh, fuck, there's an earthquake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's it's that? Still going. You okay? I don't know if the mic is going to pick this up, but like everything in my room is shaking. Really? It's... Oh! Oh, fuck! <laughs> <gasps> Dawson. I can't believe we just got that. You it's totally still going. Holy shit. 
Okay. No, it's still going. I just hear my parents <laughs> yelling downstairs. Yeah. At least we got the intro for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I wonder what that's gonna register as. That was that was a pretty good one. I will admit. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be such. I wish we were recording the episode about the earthquakes that I wrote. <laughs> that would have been perfect. <laughs> That totally has to be the intro. It should it should uh, just start with you going, oh fuck, and then the the earthquake happening and the noise, and uh, then it should go into the theme music, and then we start talking about flags. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, oh my god, I'm trying to get my brain back in place. Um, right, You're so okay though, for real. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. I don't know what that was. That was a pretty. That was a big one. It wasn't. It wasn't as bad as uh, the one that like. Oh my god. Yeah, tangent time. 2018 sucked. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that. We had an earthquake up here that registered as like a 7.0 or like a 7.1. It was like a 7.2, wasn't it? I don't It was a big one, though. And yeah. it happened at like 8 in the morning. And I... I can't, Did we cover this for a podcast episode or was I going to tie this into the earthquake episode? I don't think we covered it, but I remember we were all at school. Well, y'all were at school, and I was at school in another state. And then I remember y'all texting me, and you guys were, like, freaking out. So, picture this. It is 7 in the morning, and in English, specifically honors English, taught by my favorite teacher, we are reading Siddhartha, which is about, like, the Buddha and meditation and, like, finding yourself or whatever, right? It was, it was a very mm-hmm. spiritual time. So, as a part of that, we had been doing, like, meditation for some of the mornings, right? As, like, a way to, like, relax at the end of class, to, like, de-stress. Right. So, picture this. You have spent 15 minutes meditating. You have found your inner zen. <laughs> And with that, you pick up your bag, the bell rings, you walk to your next class. The stress immediately returns because now it's AP seminar and holy shit, I'm late with a project submission and I need to get this in. But like, I don't have it done because like, I'm not gonna lie, I slacked off an AP seminar. I did mm-hmm. really good work when I did it. But also she just assigned so much shit. I was like, okay, whatever. So I was going to ask her for an extension. I needed one week, maybe, maybe a few days. I needed some of mm-hmm. time, but. As I stand up from the desk and I go to walk over, it sounds like someone's playing music outside, like kind of loudly. Like it's the bass, you know? Mm-hmm. And then everyone kind of pauses in the room because everyone's like, this is off. And now mind you, as a Fairbanks kid, Fairbanks is very, very far away from any fault line, which means that like nothing ever fucking happens up there. So we don't even learn about earthquake drills. Now picture this as I am standing in the middle of this class of 20 people plus the teacher and the rumbling from what I thought was a car outside is very evidently not a car outside as the room begins to shake. So I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) I dive under a desk along with everyone else as the room starts like shaking, like shaking, shaking, shaking. I have never in my life been that terrified because again, I am used to the ground being normal. Not like that. Um, And then the power goes out as, like, things are falling off of shelves. The emergency lights kick on, like, a couple seconds later. And when they kick on, like, the fire alarm's going. 
Which, like, spoiler alert, that was because some pipes had burst and they, like, falsely triggered it. But now we're like, great, the room is shaking. We can't even stand up because it's that bad. Uh, The Mm -hmm. ceiling tiles are, like, wobbling all over the place. Some of them have fallen. Stuff is falling off of shelves. And on top of that, we now think that the building is on fire. It's all over the place. So, it stops for a moment. And in that moment, I get up. I leave my laptop and my bag. People leave their car keys. Everyone's just running on, like, evacuation mode, right? Um, Right. So we all bolt out that goddamn door, run down those stairs and out the door. And we are in the parking lot. It probably took us 20 seconds to run that. And that was that's kind of impressive, given how much of a space that is. Yes. And then as we're out in the parking lot, the aftershock hits. And if I thought it was bad inside because it was like a building. But I didn't realize that the ground itself just like gives out on you. So everyone starts yeah. like basically falling over in the parking lot. Because it's just like... It's all over the place. And, like, we can't get back in the building. And long story short, worst earthquake ever. Awful. Um, Evidently something similar happened in California, like, in 2019 or something, or 2018. I think 2019. Uh, But it happened, like, the middle of nowhere, so, like, only a couple rich bitches were affected. And they're like, it was so scary seeing my pool wobble. (laughs) Like, I'm so sorry that your $2.5 million home had, like, a single crack in a wall. Anyways, no, I hate California with, like, passion now. I don't know why. That just started recently. Um, Anyways, so, earthquake-wise, in my mind, I remember growing up for a little bit in Valdez, right? Valdez Mm -hmm. was going to be the center point of another episode. We have a lot of scrapped episodes. Um, But tiny fishing town, literally nothing has ever happened there, right? Except for, like, heroin. Lots and lots of heroin. But right. um, Valdez is now Valdez 2, technically, because Valdez 1 used to be on the other side of the inlet. Used to be mm-hmm. is, the, is the point to emphasize. Because uh, in 1964, we had the Good Friday earthquake, which happened on Good Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. And what was that, an 8.0 or like a 9.0? I think it was a 9.0. It, it was some ridiculously high richter scale number but earthquake itself wasn't that bad it caused a tsunami and needless to say valdez no longer existed after like eight hours (laughs) but it also caused like landslides and stuff because people had uh, gravel foundations in like anchorage uh the streets themselves like broke apart and were in chunks it was insane but i remember like seeing all that historical footage that like uaf houses right and like seeing that and knowing what that's like and then having my dad working in like a tall office tower downtown i'm like oh shit and my house is on the side of a mountain so i'm like oh shit two times <laughs> and then like yeah. all all the phone lines were down it was really freaky sorry to go on like this tangent about earthquakes but that was that was a moment <laughs> but what did you actually like what were your guys... Because I remember it was, like, in the news and stuff in Lower 48. Like, people were actually, like, freaking out about yeah, it. Yeah, that was... Well, of course, when I moved, I was, you know, oh, that girl from Alaska anyway. And so, of course, hearing about it, everybody was like, oh, do you know what happened? Like, all of that stuff. I was like, yes, I know what's happened. And I, of course, was really calm about it. Mainly because living in Alaska for five plus years, 
I was like, oh, it's just another, you know, one of those earthquakes. I hadn't realized how bad it was until, of course, my phone started blowing up with y'all freaking out. And then, of course, that made me want to freak out. And so I was like freaking out because I was like, oh, my God, what if they're all dead? Like <laughs> I was like, I was thinking the worst. And then once I started to see like pictures and videos and somebody had like a video from it and with everything shaking. And that's when I like really got worried. And then that, of course, brought attention from the lower 48 really to Alaska specifically about um like the earthquake that's what really got it was the earthquake that made people see it but after that had happened like Alaska literally wasn't talked about unless somebody was like oh there's the Alaska girl but <laughs> that yeah I remember when that happened I think it's, and... it's funny right now I'm trying to find the info about the earthquake in case it's been updated yet and all of the websites so this happens this is something really funny it happens every time in alaska whenever there's an earthquake all of the sites that gather information about alaska earthquakes they're all overwhelmed and crash so right now all of them are mm-hmm. offline so i wouldn't even be able to know if i could get on <laughs> yeah because everyone's trying to figure out about the earthquake that has happened god I think that was one instance where it's been a while since I felt Anchorage like combine its strengths together as one community because it's so divided, right? It's usually divided. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I don't, I'm still new to Anchorage relatively with only four years. Like, I don't know what it was like, well, five years, but still, whatever. I don't know how divided Mm -hmm. it really was like in years past, but. It was weird because I remember that division because we had the election when we were in middle school. It was still eighth grade, mm-hmm. which it's weird that our high school synced up with the presidential administration. That's just like crazy, but yeah, weird capstone to fi- <laughs> finish it off with. But definitely, like it. It was so weird because I remember like everyone collectively working together as like not Americans or like fucking republicans or whatever right it was like everyone was just like an alaskan at that point you know mm-hmm. and like people were helping their neighbors like everyone dropped everything for each other you know and that was just like i i really wish that covid could have been like that like that sort of unifying strength instead of like this divisive nightmare you know and I worry that the next time we do have something like that, like, what's going to happen if we've set this precedent now with COVID where it's like, yeah, you can like, like, God, what, what was the day doing? Wasn't it um, Texas was like putting uh, vaccination depots near like Republican voting neighborhoods? Yep. Like, what happens when you handle other crises like that? Like, what if there's a hurricane and you only help those who voted for your like constituents? Like... That's yeah, a really the, scary thing to think about. Super scary thing to think about. Because um, nobody wants to think about... Oh my god. There's, there's no way that was... Hold on. There's no way that's what that was. <laughs> wait. Wait. No, this might actually be bad. Hold on. What happened? 
Uh, it's saying right here that it was a 6.0 and that it's centered on Chickaloon, which that, that's like actually bad. <laughs> oh my god. So Chickaloon is a tiny community up to the north. Um, it's past Wasil and Palmer. It's kind of in, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that's, it's also right by Glacier. So if there's people who were, oh god, this might actually, oh god, this episode might have been recorded during like an actual tragic incident. That's kind of sad. Um, that's that's scary. That was a six point. Holy sh! That's only well, I get that that's a like hundred times less powerful than what happened in 2018, but like still, <laughs> you know, that's insane. God, we can't catch a break. I need to leave. <laughs> We've been living through some monumental moments. <laughs> God, at least this podcast is here. And at least yeah. <laughs> we still have flags to bitch about. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of flags, um, I'm going to wave my tired one. <laughs> um, I think I'll wave my this is going to suck to edit one. <laughs> yeah, because we've... After all this time of not talking, we finally got everything that we've missed out. I know it's like it's like a whole season of podcast episodes. You got a it's um it's like a charcuterie board, or is that one chick on TikTok was bitching about because she's French and needs problems? Charcuterie. Charcuterie. <laughs> it's not charcuterie. It's charcuterie. Like, girl, go colonize Africa again. Come on, please. Calm down. Like. And, P- and French people don't care. I've been to France. They literally don't care. They will hate us for the fact that we breathe. They don't care that we mispronounce it. <laughs> oh, my friend is saying that like cars were going off in his neighborhood. Jesus. Really? Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I don't think I mean, like the podcast weird. is able to like capture like the 6.0 that we were just rocked with. <laughs> I mean, I heard it. That's why, like, like I heard I, it. I, I went outside of happy. my room to, like, talk to my parents really quick, and the chandeliers that are in our living room were, like, swinging. <laughs> oh, no, that probably also just, like, opened up the seam. Okay, so in 2018, there was a seam that's in our living room over the dining room table that was opened up because, like, the house itself flexed and, like, cracked open part of that. But then it finally settled and was sealed. Now I'm sure it's open again. And I'm pretty sure spiders come through mm-hmm. it. So that sucks. <laughs> Oh. But yeah, anyway, with that, we conclude our very exciting episode that mm-hmm. marks very our exciting return. And long episode. Does this mark our return? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. We'll be semi every week. Because it took Probably. us, what, three months? Three months? Yeah. Well, we'll now, now we at least streamlined the way that we actually have the episode recording. And edited, so that's cool. Um, yes. For those of you who did not know, it used to be recorded in two separate things and then combined in post, and that mm-hmm. sucked because we had to cut out every single interruption and every single noise, and it was just it was a mess. So now a lot we we just hot. are able to record it like this, and we get the streamlined recording. Um, and hopefully you get the pure we can... unfiltered. Mm-hmm. All of this. The pure unfiltered mess that mm, we are. Yeah. 
And hopefully for future episodes, we'll have a bit more to work with. This was kind of just a catch up of a bunch of episodes that we really wanted to go through, but all of them kind of don't work on their own. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking we'll do a couple more that are more centered around a central idea. So it'd be like a variety pack, but you know, it'll be better. Yeah. So yeah, with that, I think that concludes our glorious return. Don't forget to email us. Don't forget to email us. Yeah, at BaronGiaPodcasts at gmail.com. We love getting emails from y'all. We haven't gotten a single one, but I'm sure we love it. So please send us an email. And yeah. And with that, thank you for writing with us through Baron Gia. Thank you.